Hi, I'm Steph Mahuk, and this is episode one of Island Voices, brought to you by the United Nations Office of the High Representative for the Least Developed Countries, Landlocked Developing Nations, and Small Island Developing States. I'm one of the voices you're about to hear talking about something I am most passionate about, and that is surfing. And the music you're about to hear was recorded right here in Pango, a small village on Vanuatu's main island of Ifate. Catching that wave, getting the best wave of the day, oh my goodness. It's a place to be when you like have a bad day, goes out in the water and there's like all this little piccaninny with the funny jokes, laughing with you. They're like the monkeys dropping in your waves when you scream at them, but at the end of the day you had the best day of your, after a, a stress day at work. Yeah, it's like a baptism. You go in all cranky or having a bad day or an average day and you come out feeling like you could conquer the world. My name is Risu. That's spelled R-I-S-U because people just call me Rushu. It's a four-letter name, so people just like, Rishu. And they think I'm Indian, and then I woke up, I'm like, oh, you're from here. We're in one of the best villages in, in Port Vila, I'd say. It's close to the beach. You wake up in the morning, you see the sunrise, hear the wave crashing. But on like pounding days, which we feel like it's good days because we know surf is up, wind is up, it's a it's good time to surf, and you're gonna, you just hear the pounding waves. I ride the longboard, so everyone, when I'm up, every, nobody just catch the waves with me. Nobody drops in a rishu when he comes down with a longboard. No, she's reckless. Because <laughs> you want to get extra touches. This tanker that comes down, you don't want to be in her way. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mishma. I'm 25 years old. I live in Pongo Village. Uh, I'm like the first female surfer in Vanuatu. I started surfing when I was 7 years old, and now I'm 25. It's like kind of a long, long time. I'm your big sister. No, I'm the big sister. <laughs> We're like one year apart, but I'm always the, she's the tallest, but I'm, that's not the point. I'm the oldest. I'm Steph. I live up the road from the village, not in the village, like Risu and Rishma. Um, and I'm here most days. She's practically adopted to my family now. She's yeah. like the big sister of the family. For me, I'd say... What means to be Nivan is, I think it, for me, is everything. It's the people, it's the islands. Oh my goodness, the islands. Yes, I'd go on forever with the islands. We've read a lot about the struggles in countries like West Papua. So for us, there's a, there's a pride uh, in being Nivanuatu and being able to be identified as people of our own country. Um, and particularly with the girls and they can speak to it. They're from a village and they've got roots here and it goes deeper than being near Vanuatu.
for me, surfing is everything. I get cranky if I have gone surfing a while and everyone's like, look, someone needs to go to the salt water and surf this app because it's going to make everybody crazy. For me, it's a stress-free zone. I don't think any surfer could really express that feeling of catching one wave and the best wave and that like just puts a smile on your face through the day and kind of just, if you're having a horrible, horrible day and you catch one wave and that that's just like, Boom, goes away. I've been borrowing surfboards from my friends, uh, some of my friends that they work around here, some of the expats, and I'd go out in the water. One of the first things that I hate so much about going out in the water by myself is my cousins and some of the boys around the village like, oh, Rishu, you fat fat where? That's another word for, oh, Rishi, you're too fat. You're not supposed to be out in the water. And I'm just like, I I hate it. I hate it so much. Like, why are you reminding everybody that I sit in the bloody surfboard and sink into the water? That's like, I can catch a wave. I can do a U-turn. That's enough for me. One particular day, I remember one of my cousins was like, you need to exercise on my face. I think when I snapped back at him that time, he kind of see, he he realized that he was not supposed to be doing this to you. And slowly as I was snapping back to them and all the rude things that they say to me, I kind of push myself into that space. So when I'm surfing, they don't bother about me anymore. But I see them doing it to all the other girls that wanted to come surf and I talk to them about it. Um, my little brother surfs too and I've heard him one time, he said a really rude thing to one of my other friends. I just gave him the face. I'm like, you say this again, I'm going to come over here and I'm drowning myself. What surfing has taught me as well is a great admiration for the perseverance that the girls have in the water and the courage that it takes them to even paddle out or pick up a surfboard and go out because they've got all these barriers uh, against them from going out from home the moment they step outside of their doorstep with the decision I'm going to go surfing there's a million hurdles ahead of them before they even enter the water so like knowing that Rishma and Risu did this and they were so young um, and they pushed through all that like that gives that's a lot of admiration for what they did and where they are now in their surfing I think participating in, in sport can make a huge difference it it's almost a quasi-advocacy platform. If you get girls to participate in a sport that a majority of the time in surfing or any other sport is male-dominated, that breaks the barrier for women's rights and women's recognition and setting up women to the, I think, the expectation of men. It elevates them because a lot of the time, particularly with our Melanesian culture women have a a specified role and then when you try to break away from that oh wow it's uh you you shake it up a bit um and it's not at first it there's resistance uh and then eventually it's it's accepted and then and now like in pango village you have a lot of girls who are surfing but that's because the likes of rishma or risu i mean rishma has reached competitive level and that would have taken first a recognition from her community that yes she can do it 
then an allowance for her to train and do what she's doing, and then the support of her community, particularly the men, to pursue that. Meditative, it's contemplative, but if you're talking to the clown kids in the water, it's just... <laughs> it's another it's entertainment. Yes. It's entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to, like, sometimes we don't get waves for, like, about five five minutes and we're just sitting in the water. There's sort of duck moments, we call. Like, you just, like, ducks out in the lake. But um, I like to just drown myself in the water because it's, it's, like, over the, over, like, over the roof break and after the roof break there's the different temperature of the water it's much colder and I like to just sink it like I love I don't know but I just love sinking into the water and just staying like this unless they're like rock, that's behind in in Pango language and you know that's like that's a set coming and so we just hop on the board and catch fight for that wave hope but like if you the lucky one then you get it but if not you're sharing the party wave with somebody ocean especially with other people around me it feels smaller like you're in a community but you're in this bubble and you're all looking out for the same thing you you talk to each other but it's a bubble I'm a in the ocean. although there can be times when it feels like you're just a pebble in the water when we surf from like cyclones that come in and the swells large and you can't see the person sitting next that's to you. Those are the best times. That's it, they're the best surf, but it's it's those times when you're reminded that you're really nothing. Or especially w- even if you if it's a great surf but you wipe out and you're being trawled across the reef, then you realize <laughs> you're nothing. <laughs> Ocean's not your friend. You know For me, surfing's it's taught me a lot, like especially to be calm and in the moment. Because um, you go out there, you have to have a certain level of humility. You're dealing with the ocean, and it's an unpredictable force. So you have to be in the right headspace, especially if it's a big day. Um, so there's a whole level of respect for the ocean that comes with it and with yourself and just discovering that you can push yourself further in the surfing that you're doing. Um, you know, you'll surprise yourself on a, on a massive day and catch that one wave that you never would have been imagined you could catch. Um, and yeah, it's just, you push your boundaries and you push your limits, but at the same time you stay humble uh, in, in the water all the time. Super windy today. Which would mean they would, we would get more nice waves. It's called Kinoa Binamlas. It was composed by his, um, an uncle. He wrote about um, like the environment, like the bush, talking about the bush, um, the trees, the air, the wind, you know, like trees giving us 
air to breathe and then talking about the ocean and it's more like mother nature telling us that who she is and that she's the one who's given us life i didn't really know anything about climate change but oh you didn't appreciate the message of the song you know, kind of like oh yeah this is cool it sounds nice like yeah mother nature yes if I were at a Narsong's age hearing a song like that, I would appreciate it for the beat and how cool and funky it sounded. Um, but as an adult, if you listen to the lyrics, it's it's got a deeper meaning to it and it does hit home for a lot of us who are experiencing all the effects of climate change here. Over the years, for me, kind of grew into loving the ocean. That's what surfing has given me and just being out there because, it, like I said, it put me back on my pace and I love it. And so I grew into admiring coral reefs and all the fishes and stuff. And um, I just want to do something for the ocean that I know is going to benefit in the long run and it's going to have a good impact to what's really happening. As we know, there's like so much that's happening. I think about all the changes that's happening because I, I spent a lot of time with some of my grandparents and the stories they tell me about like how it's um, the cyclone season. Or they prep up for cyclone season because they know it's the cyclone season. And then suddenly they're just in the garden, the wind changes and stuff out of the blue and there's like a heavy rain and stuff. It's the pattern doesn't stay the same as it usually is. So um, I think about it a lot because I've heard it from my grandparents. I've heard it from my grandma, my grandpa, um, that it changes, especially for cyclone. And uh, in 2015, we've just experienced the Katukari 5 cyclone palm. Yeah, it was on my birthday. My birthday got cancelled. No parties. <laughs> so disappointing. <laughs> it was not a very, very good thing. And I was here with my family. Uh, I could have walked to the road and the water's up to my, like, up to my heaps. My heaps. Yes. And the sand. And there was fishes on the road. There's, like, literally f- ray fish out on the road. So... Um, that was like a, that was one of the experiences that everyone's got a story to tell. The classification of Vanuatu as one of the most disaster-prone countries in the world. I don't think, for me, I can, it's easy to forget because island life is sweet. You know, you'll have your friends, you'll have the surf, and, and it's very easy to forget that we're in a very vulnerable position. Um, and then when it does happen where the weather's changing and you start picking up on the patterns like Risu's talking about, you know, her grandparents, not even without a cyclone chart, just knew when cyclone season was about. And yeah, when you start experiencing all these different we- weather patterns, then it prompts you to that realization that, yes, we're, we're in a very vulnerable country. I'm a Um, but you have to admire the resilience of people here. I was just up in the banks and they have a lot of storms that form up there and just the way of life of the people in the banks is amazing and that they can turn a popo into breakfast, lunch and dinner and it can feel like three different meals. They're amazing. Island Voices was presented today by me, Steph Mahook. Our podcast producer, mixer, and sound engineer is Ginny Stein from Blue Sky Vision Vanuatu. 
The series executive producers in New York are Damien Sass and Connor O'Loughlin. Special thanks to Narsong Taleo, who sang in the language of Pango Ekpang. Island Voices has been made possible through funding from the government of Netherlands. On the next episode of Island Voices, two women of incredible determination who have signed up for the long game to bring about change to the face of politics in Vanuatu. I do see myself helping my people and I do see myself making history. Now don't forget, if you want the hot tip on who wants to be the Prime Minister of Vanuatu, tune in again to the next episode of Island Voices. Sweet.